Open with me this morning again to the book of Colossians chapter 2, to a verse we've been looking at together over the last week or so. And in weeks past this year, man, the Lord's been so good to us, speaking to us from his word. And I want to look at it again, Colossians chapter 2. It says in verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, now what? So walk in him. One more time, look at it. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Can you say that last part with me? After being rooted and built up, what happens? You become established in the faith. Rooted, built up, and established in the faith. We began on a series a couple of weeks ago that we're calling established in the faith. And this has everything to do with what the Lord said he wants to do in our lives and in this church this year. And that word came out of 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 10 that says, May the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So we've been focusing the last several weeks on this establishing work that God wants to do in our lives. He said he wants to do it. I say, let him do it. (laughs) The God of all grace. He said, I want to do this for you. What do you say? Yes, Lord, do it. May the God of all grace perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, one of the things we're drawing out of the scriptures about what it means to be established is when it comes to the path that we're on, the road that we're walking. And we've seen several different verses. Um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26 says, Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be what? Established. So when he said he wants to establish us, part of what he's doing is making sure that we're on the path he's called us to be on. Making sure that our days of wandering and wandering and tripping over stuff in the dark are over forever. Making sure that we're on the right path. The path he's called us and created us to be on and to walk. But he said, you're going to have to ponder the path of your feet. If he told you to ponder the path, what what should you do? Ponder the path. Stop and think about where your feet have been taking you. And I'm not just talking about today or yesterday. I'm talking about the last decades of your life and be honest with yourself be honest with God God am I on am I even on the path you called me to be on and it's so easy to to not be on the right path and we looked at other scriptures that said there's a way that seems right to a man and we found that out to be true in a big way right I mean if you just look at all the natural elements and all the natural circumstances and if you just base your decisions in life strictly on what you see what you feel and if you start taking a path in life based on all of those things or based on what somebody else has done and well that worked let's try that based on you know following a path in college well dad did that so I'm gonna do that and his dad did that so you know makes sense for me Be very careful because the Bible says there is a way that seems right. You could say there's a way that looks right. There's a way that feels right. But the end is death. Yikes. The end is death. 
But right on the other hand, the psalmist talked to the father and said, Lord, show me the path of life. So you've got a path that leads to death. You've got a path that leads to life. And we need to make sure, we need to ponder the path of our feet, making sure we are established on the path that leads to life. Amen? So let me just review for a minute. That's what we began with a couple of weeks ago. Part one of, uh, of, this, of this series, Established in the Faith, we talked about that path that leads to life. And if you hadn't been on it, the question ought to be, okay, how do I get on that one? How do I get off this wrong path and get on to the right one? Well, the scripture said in the book of Ephesians that every one of us, we were dead in trespasses and sins, and we used to walk according to the course of this world. That was your story. That was mine. Until somebody meets Jesus, they are on that path, the course of this world. But that scripture in Ephesians 2 goes on to say, but God, shout it out, but God, who is rich in mercy, God who is rich in mercy, what did he do? He took you off of that path and put you on this one. How'd you get from the wrong one to the right one? Mercy, 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 mercy. It was mercy, it was mercy, it was mercy. And you said, oh God, I'm on the wrong path. Oh God, I'm done being my own God. Jesus, I'm done being my own Lord. I've been my own God, lo these many years, and look at the path it's put me on. Look at the mess it's made. I'm asking you for mercy. That's being born again. And that's really what being born again is. It's telling God, I'm done being God. Anybody else done being their own God? I am so done being my own God. I am so done calling my own shots. I am so done directing my own steps. What a colossal waste of time. So get honest and get real with God and say, God, I make a horrible God. You make a much better God than I do. I'm asking you to be God. I'm done. Done being God. Jesus, I'm done being Lord. I'm done calling my own shots. I'm done directing my own steps. You be God. Here, I'm going to get out of this throne. I'm going to let you sit here, give you the highest place in my life. You go ahead and you be God. How'd you get from the wrong path to the right one? Mercy, mercy, mercy. And at any point in life, when you stop and ponder the path of your feet again and think, wait a second, somewhere along the way, I got off this right path and I got over here onto my own path. Oh no, how am I going to get back? Same way you got on the right one to begin with. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And we talked about last week in part two of this series, acknowledging him. And that comes out of Proverbs chapter three that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not half of it, not a piece of it, all of it. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. There you go again. That's you being God. Leaning on your own understanding is being your own God. But trusting in him with all your heart, that's letting him be God. And then he went on to say, if you will acknowledge him in all your ways. So trust him with how much of your heart? Acknowledge him in how many of your ways? All your ways. And what will happen? This is so good. This is so powerful. If you just acknowledge him in all your ways, he will direct your path. This is how you get on the God path. This is how you get on the God made path. This is how you get on the God plan. You acknowledge him. 
And to whatever degree you are willing to acknowledge him, that's the degree to which he's willing to lead your steps, to guide your steps. So acknowledge him in none of your ways. How much God direction do you get? None. And that is what's happening in this world around us. The vast majority of this world is not waking up every day acknowledging the existence of God, acknowledging the ever-presence of God, acknowledging the power of God, acknowledging the will and the ability of God. They're not acknowledging this. They're leaning on their own understanding. So how much direction can they expect to get from God? None. Acknowledge him in none of your ways. He'll direct none of your steps. (laughs) Right? What happens if you acknowledge him in some of your ways? Well, some's better than none, right? Acknowledge him in some of your ways and he will direct some of your steps. Whatever areas you're willing to acknowledge him in, those are the areas he'll direct you in. But what happens when you get a group of weirdos like us? And when I say weird, I mean just not normal to the rest of this world. Who will wake up every day of their lives going, there is a God. Not only is there a God, he's my God. Good morning, God. Good morning, Lord Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. What's today about? Where are we going? What are we doing? I'm acknowledging you today. I got a decision to make, Lord. I acknowledge you. You know what's best. I've done some research. research. I've done some looking around. I've asked some opinions. But I'm asking you, I'm acknowledging your plan, your will. And if you are willing to do that morning, noon, and night, acknowledging him in your, in, in your life, your family, in, in the, the health of your body, in the health of your finances, in the job that you take, when you come to an intersection uh, in life and you need to know, is it left, Lord? Is it right? Is it straight? If you'll acknowledge him then, guess what he'll do right then? Direct it. He will direct your path. Acknowledge him in none of the ways. How much direction do you get? None. Acknowledge him in some of your ways. How much direction do you get? Acknowledge him in all your ways. And I feel like you should be more excited about this. How much direction do you get in all your ways? I'm so excited about this. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want to say something about that. And this is something I just saw in the scriptures more clearly in the last few days, even in connection with what we talked about last week. Go back and look at Colossians 2 again and notice what happens. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, your Lord, verse 6, so walk in him. Now look what happens as the result of walking in him. You become rooted, built up, and established. Now receiving Jesus is without a doubt the best decision you've ever made or anybody will ever make. Making Jesus the Lord of their lives. Oh my gosh, yeah. Can you even put into words the significance of that, not just life-changing, eternity-altering decision? You'll never make a better decision in your life than to call Jesus Lord. And, And I think we only know in part what happened that day. What day? Salvation day, the day you were born again. I mean, I know we went from death to life. I know we went from unrighteous to righteous. 
I know we went from rejected to accepted. Praise God. I know so many wonderful things happened that day in that moment. But just because you were born again does not yet mean you're rooted. Just because you got born again and you received Jesus as Lord, it doesn't mean you're built up. And it doesn't mean you're established. Not yet. I want you to notice this. And don't, don't turn there. Maybe we'll put it on the screen for you. But this is something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13. In telling the parable of the sower. And I won't take time to tell the whole parable. But it is. Well Jesus said if you don't understand this one. How will you understand any of them? So there are huge master keys in this parable that unlock so much of what Jesus said that unlock the New Testament. It's powerful. And he said a sower sowed, and he, you, you remember this, he sowed on four different kinds of ground, and, and he talked about how it got sown on wayside ground, and it got sown on stony ground, and it got sown on thorny ground, but then finally it got sown on good ground. But the first three kinds of ground it got sown on, it didn't produce anything. But finally, when it hit that good soil and it took root and it sprouted up and it produced fruit, it finally produced something. And what Jesus went on to explain was that seed is the word. The seed is the word of God. And he said, this seed is getting sown on all different kinds of ground. So the ground represents hearts, your heart, my heart. It represents lives, our lives. And whether or not the word is working is not always up to the word. It's up to the kind of ground it got sown on. And if that seed that got sown, if it never produced anything, you might be tempted to think something's wrong with this seed. But the moment it fell on good ground and it produced good fruit, what do you know? Nothing wrong with the seed. Now the word of God it, Jesus said it got sown on three different kinds of ground and failed to produce. And if you stop right there, you might think, man, something's wrong with this seed. But the moment the word works on good ground, what do you know? And you ought to know this right now. There ain't nothing wrong with this seed. This seed is eternal. This seed is infallible, man. This seed is incorruptible seed. So if it's not working... You shouldn't be blaming the seed. Where should you be looking? The ground. The ground. And one of the kinds of ground that Jesus said the word got sown on was stony ground. And in verse 20, he said, this is he who receives seed on stony places. It's he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Woo! Good word. Good preaching, preacher. Come on, say it. Preach that. Hey, good word. This is people sitting in church and they're probably being very genuine. They're probably actually receiving it with joy. And I'd much rather have a bunch of people receiving it with joy than a bunch of people sleeping through service and watching their clocks waiting for this thing to end going, what are we going to eat? Man, I'd rather people be receiving this with some joy. Woo! I get joy when I think about what he's done. I like it when we sing that. It makes me feel like I'm in church. But he said, there's a problem though. They receive it with joy, yet he has no root. Now, what did Paul say in Colossians 2? You've received Jesus. Awesome. Wonderful. Now walk in him. 
Because if you don't keep walking, you won't have roots. Is it possible for somebody to be born again without being rooted? Oh yeah, it's happening all the time. The problem here was they received with joy, but they didn't have roots. And because they didn't have roots, they endured only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. What happened? He received it with joy, but the earth was shallow. The, the, the dirt was shallow, and then it hit a layer of stony ground. And it, because it was so shallow, you could say it was a shallow reception. It didn't take root. And because it didn't take root, Jesus in the parable said the sun was up and it scorched it. It got hot. The heat was turned up. He said, you want to know what the heat is? It's tribulation and it's persecution. But listen to this. I didn't see this until yesterday. This is the Weist translation of that. Do, do we have that for the screen, guys? No, we don't. Okay, well, just listen. In the Weist translation, it says, he who was sown upon the shallow ground, shallow ground, where the rock layers were near the surface, this man is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it, or immediately joy receives it, and he does not have rootage, I like that word, rootage in himself, but is by nature a temporizer. In other words, temporary. It just doesn't stick with anything. Is by nature a temporizer and the pressure of circumstances having come and persecution because of the word, immediately he sees in it or in the word that of which he disapproves. Because of the pressure, because of the persecution, he turns and finds fault with the word. He sees in the word something he doesn't approve of. Immediately he sees in it that of which he disapproves and which hinders him from acknowledging its authority. He starts blaming God. Now, Sunday morning he was receiving the word with joy, shouting all about it. But Monday about midday he ran into some tribulation ran into some persecution, and that thing he received with joy, now all of a sudden, he finds fault with it, and because he finds fault with it, he won't any longer acknowledge, did you hear the word? Yes. Acknowledge its authority. Now bring this up, and I want you to connect some dots with me this morning. Are you ready? Yes. You remember being a kid and, and having to connect the dot, coloring the page? And when you were little, you didn't know what the picture was going to be. But if you would just go from dot to dot to dot, behold, it made a perfect picture. You got to do that with the scriptures. Let the Holy Spirit connect some dots. He said persecution and tribulation came. And because of that, he stopped acknowledging the authority of the word. Now, if you're not acknowledging, you're not acknowledging God, what's God not doing for you? Directing your steps. In other words, you're not acknowledging God, you're established on a wrong path. You're going the wrong way. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, this one I know we have, look at this. In verse 13, he said, enter by the narrow gate. 
For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. You could say leads to death. And you'd almost say that's exactly what the, what the, the uh, proverb said. There's a way that seems right. A big wide road. Yeah, that seems good, doesn't it? A big wide road, a big wide gate. Well, that seems like the one we should be on. No, it's leading to death and destruction. And there are many who go by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few that find it. Now, this is what we talked about last week. Ready? Connect this dot. When he said difficult is the way, other translations, Jesus said hard is the way. Don't let somebody make something up about that that's not true. He's not saying, well, Christianity's a hard life. And there's a lot of things you're going to have to do without and live without. You're going to have to live without the comforts of this world. You're going to have to live without. You may have to go sick if that's God's plan for you to be sick. You may have to be broke if that's God's plan for you to be broke. Because Christianity's a hard life. And to that I say, shut up. Because it's, (laughs) I'm sorry, I should have... Maybe there's a nicer way to say it. I apologize. But listen to me. Listen, listen though. When Jesus used this word hard, it's the very same word that got translated in other places in the New Testament. Trouble. Tribulation. What's he talking about? There's pressure on this road. It's the pressure to stop acknowledging God. That's what this is all about. So if it's persecution from the world, what's it about? It has arisen for the word's sake and to get you to stop acknowledging God. And they are, they are all but putting it in print, their effort for you to stop acknowledging God. And in many places, it's in print. And in many places, it's, it's tried to become law. You cannot kneel. You cannot pray. Don't you dare say a prayer in the middle of this football field. We will snatch your job from you so fast. What is that? Pressure to get off this road and onto this big wide one over here. Come on, everybody's over here. Look how much room there is on this road. Look, we can all do a dance on this road. All kinds of elbow room on this road. Come on. All you got to do is stop acknowledging God. Serious stuff. That's the pressure. I said, that's the pressure that's being put on us as we walk this road. You need to ponder the path of your feet. And if I'm on the road that leads to life, I'm not turning to the right. I'm not turning to the left. I've removed my foot from evil. I look straight ahead. Glory to God. Church, this is what he's endeavoring to do in this body this year. And in the years to come, I'm believing and I say it in Jesus name, you will be able to look back on 2022 and you'll be able to say, that's the year I got on the track. God called me to be on. That's the year I got wisdom. I got direction. That's the time I started acknowledging him more than I ever had before. And he started leading me more than he ever had before. I'm believing it. I'm declaring it. You are going to be looking at this year as a marker on the timeline of your life. Where you got on the right track. Amen. The track, the path that leads to life. So go with me now to the book of Luke. With that said, let's move into the next part of this. You go to Luke chapter 6. And one more time, I want you guys to put Colossians 2 on the screen. I'm so stirred up about these words. Rooted, built up, 
and established. And I've already said it, but let me say it again. Just because you've received Jesus, and as wonderful as that is, as life-changing, eternity-altering as that is, there are those who have received him and then nothing. And you cannot, how do you say it, Lord? There's no way to be rooted unless you keep walking in, in what you receive. There's no way to be built up. There's no way to be established. All of these things come as you walk in him. <clears throat> and this is what was so impactful to me over the last few days as I prayed about this and prayed over you. I had this imaginary conversation in my mind. And yes, it happens a lot. But in this imaginary conversation, somebody sat down with me and said, Pastor, what's your vision for this church? And when I say this church, I'm not talking about the, the physical place or the building or the property. I'm talking about you. What's your vision for the people that make up this church? In other words, what, what do you want to see as the result of somebody coming and sitting faithfully and listening to the preaching of the word in this place? What do you want to see for their lives? And that hit me in a way that I don't think it had before. I think it's something we've, we've had, but I wasn't thinking about it in those terms. And that was that we, Sarah and I, leadership here at this church, our staff, we have a vision for you. We've got a vision for your life. And maybe this isn't your church. Maybe you're just checking it out. And that's fine. I know it's not for everybody. There's no one place that is for everybody. But I'm telling you, find where your place is. But then on top of that, you better know what that pastor's vision is for you. Because you don't want to be sitting in a place under teaching that has some other vision than what the word of God has for you. And what you have for your life, we have a vision for your life. And I was thinking about what that vision is. And to me, it starts with you coming to this place and leaving with a revelation of how much you're loved. I don't want anybody who sits in this place for any length of time to ever again believe the lie that nobody loves me. You've got to come into this place and breathe in this atmosphere of love. Leave knowing my heavenly father loves me. These people at this church love me. Those pastors love me. But on top of that, as I meditated this verse, I realized this is the vision. That we be a group of people who have received Jesus as our Lord. And then what? As we walk in him, here's our vision for you, that you become rooted, that you become built up and established in your faith. And the reason I can say it like that is because if you keep reading, he said in verse seven that you'd be rooted, built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught. The teaching that you're listening to Whatever you're feeding on, it's having an effect on you. And one of the things our elders have taught us is the quality of word that you hear will in part determine the quality of life that you live. So whatever it is we're preaching to you, the end result, the aim and the goal 
is that you hear it and the result be you rooted. Not just a bunch of receivers with joy. I'm not telling you to come in and be silent. Please, for the love of God. Come on, preach back at me. Say something, somebody. That's wonderful. I've gotten to the place where I say amen like that sometimes at dinner. Thank you, Suzanne. But what's next after you receive it? Roots. Roots. What's after roots? Being built up. What's after being built up? Being established. Can you see how progressive it is? You can't be established without having some roots about you. Where do roots happen? Up here where you can see it? No. Beneath the surface. There's got to be something taking place beneath the surface with what you're hearing. And the next step in the process is after you're rooted, you start getting built up. That's where things start becoming visible. The building up. And after you've been built up, then there's an establishing. And as I was meditating on it, I realized this has been the story of our lives. Sarah mentioned it to you. This week coming up, September 1st, it's our wedding anniversary. It's also the anniversary of our first day in our ministry, our own ministry in 2010. And you know, you've heard me tell the story we, for, for years. That day, actually, we were here in Colorado looking for a place. We thought this is our home. This is our place. And we thought it was any day right around the corner. But you know what? We spent the next several years coming up here looking, 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 not finding it, not knowing it. And eventually, just kind of going back to Texas and, and settling back into what we were doing. But then fast forward 10 years after the beginning of our ministry to October of 2018, and everything the Lord had ever said to us about Colorado comes rushing back up on the inside of us. And just a few months later, we've got plans to be here. And a few months after that, we're here. And I look back on that and I'm thinking, Lord, what took so long? Because when we started this church, and I know I can speak for Sarah, I know I can speak for our staff when I say this, I know that in the beginning of this church was probably the first time in our lives we felt established. It was the first time in our life, our marriage, our family, our ministry, and that's not to say that I, we were wandering before that, but there was... There was such, an a sense, uh, such a sense of establishing when we started this. It was like we just started the thing we're going to do forever. It set us on a road that we're not turning from right hand or left. This establishing. But it's like, Lord, well, why didn't you do that 10 years ago? Huh? Because establishing doesn't come first. You got to have some roots about you. And after some roots go down deep, then what? It takes some time to build up. And I realized in a, in a new and a fresh way, just over this last week, just thinking about celebrating some of these markers and anniversaries, that for 10 years, you know what the Lord was doing? Getting roots in. For 10 years, he was building some things in us. And after a decade, then he said, okay, now I can establish you. It takes time. In Luke chapter 6, did you find that? 
Luke chapter 6, look at something Jesus said about this. Beginning down around verse 46. Luke 6, 46. Hmm. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not do... The things which I say. Have you ever seen anybody, particularly like a a famous athlete who's just won a major championship and he's the MVP, she's the MVP, they're on television, cameras in their face. How, How good does it make you feel? What's it do for your heart as a believer to hear that world famous person Say, and the first thing out of their mouth, I just want to thank, say it with me, my, what do they say? I just want to thank my Lord and, have you ever heard anybody famous say that? I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love hearing that. I was like, you go, man. Same team, brother, same team. But we've so gotten used to that phrase, Lord and Savior, that we think of them as the same thing. They're not. There are many, many people who Jesus is their Savior, but there are very few who Jesus is their Lord. This is the difference. As you have received him, now walk in him. When you've received him, what has he become? Savior. Oh, and thank God. Because there is salvation in no other. No other name. No other way. No other blood. No other sacrifice could have saved you but him. That one. And when you receive him, he's your Savior. But then, when you start walking in him, He's becoming not just your Savior, but your Lord. And he's saying to people, why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? Or we could say it like this. Why are you calling me Lord and you're not walking in me? You're not on this path. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Verse 47, whoever comes to me. And here's my sayings, and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man, and Matthew's account adds wise man. He's like a wise man building a house who did what? Come on, do you see it? What did he do? Dug deep. This is not shallow. This is not a shallow reception. This is like a wise man who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. He's building a house, so what did he do? He dug deep, he laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose, because it's coming, when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it. Why? For it was founded on the rock, deep. Deep on the rock. But verse 4 to 9 he said. He who heard and did nothing. 
is like a man who built a house on the earth or on the sand without a foundation against which the stream, or you could say the same stream, the same storm, the same flood, beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin or the destruction of that house was great. The implication here is that it completely destroyed it. Irrecoverable loss. And you've got two different people living in two different houses who went through the same storm. And of course we know the difference was the one that was founded on the rock and the one that was founded on the sand. But do you realize when you were to, if you were to ask most church going people, most Christian people, uh, what is the rock that your life is built on? What would they say? Jesus is my rock. And man, that sounds good, doesn't it? Jesus is my rock. We even sing about it on Christ, the solid rock I stand. And there is some truth to that. We know that, but listen to what Jesus said. What happened to these two individuals, man, I hope you're listening is not the difference between what happens to a believer and an unbeliever. It's not the difference between what happens to a Christian and an unsaved person. Notice what Jesus said. He who comes to me, stop. That's receiving him, right? And you can fit, well, you can fit the entire You can fit the entire body of Christ the world over. All those that have gone before us, all those that will come behind us, you can fit the entire body of Christ into that group. Those that have come to Jesus. Because like we've already said, you don't get saved any other way. Are we in agreement about that? Are we in agreement? There's not a bunch of ways to God. No, one way. Somebody shout it out. One way. And it's Jesus. So you've got the entire body of Christ, and that's a lot of people, man, in this group that have come to Jesus. Here's where the group gets a little smaller. He who comes to me, Jesus said, and here's my word. Okay? Did you see where the group just got a little bit smaller? Because there are many, 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 many untold numbers of people that have come To Jesus. But not all are hearing his word. We know that. We know that you can come to an altar. Give your heart to the Lord. Make Jesus your savior. And live the rest of your life on this earth. Never even crack your Bible open. Never even darken the doorway of another church. And bless God. Thank God. That you had that moment with him. And I believe that Jesus will make good on his word. That if you confess him before men. He'll confess you before God and all the angels. But here's where the group gets smaller. It's people who don't just come to him. But hear his word. That's you. You're in that group this morning. What else are you doing here? If you ain't in that group. Then, then this is a waste of your time. No this is not a waste of your time. You came to hear from him today. Right? Awesome. Here's where the group gets really small. The big group that has come to him, the smaller group that hears the word. What did Jesus say? He who comes to me, hears my word, and does it. We just thinned out this group in a big way. Huge group have come to him. Well, smaller group hears word. Very few are doing anything with his word. 
acting on his word. So the first man who's a wise man, who is he? People say, well, he's born again. He's a Christian. His life's built on Jesus. That's not what Jesus said. This wise man is the one who started in the big group, came to Jesus, went on to the smaller group, heard his word, and became one of the elite, one of the few that put his word into practice. That's a wise man. And that's the one who dug deep. That's the one who dug until he hit bedrock and laid foundation there. That's like being rooted. Where does the foundation of a house go? It's not up here where you can see it. It's beneath the surface. That's, that's roots. The, the, the foundation that's poured under the house you live in, that's the equivalent of a tree with roots that go down deep. So it's holding you down. So this man who's a doer of the word, Jesus said is a wise man. But again, the difference between him and his house standing and this other guy whose house fell is not that one is saved and one is not. They both came to Jesus. The guy whose house fell, he's a part of this big group. This is a born again person. This is somebody who has received Christ Jesus, the Lord. He's even went on from there to that next group. Jesus said, he who hears, comes to me, hears my word. Here's somebody that's hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word. And maybe they've been hearing the word for decades. And maybe they've been sitting up in church year after year going, amen, that's good. Say it again. Preach it, brother. Receiving it with joy, receiving it with joy. And somebody says, turn to this verse on faith. And they say, oh, I know this one. Turn to this verse on love. Ooh, that's my favorite verse on love. But we're kidding ourselves if we think that having heard it means we're doing it. Because this guy who made it to the second group never put it into practice. Never did anything to act on Jesus' word. And because of that, his house was on sand. His house lacked a foundation. And these two believers, not an unsaved person and a saved person, not, an, uh, not a Christian and a heathen, <laughs> two believers, two people that both have come to Jesus and both have heard his word, got very different results in their lives. One life read, led to a path of life, the other led to destruction. What was the difference? Well, the difference is the sovereignty of God. The difference is the mysterious, unknowable plan and will of God. And we don't always understand why he does what he does. But God willing, the house will stand. If it doesn't, we'll know in eternity. Can I quote myself from earlier? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. That's just, I got to find a sweeter way. It's not true. The difference is very obvious. One of them acted on the word, the other did not. And that made the difference between the house standing and the house falling. The house being established and the house having no foundation, not being rooted, not being built up. Therefore, it could not be established. And they went through the same storm. Did you notice that? 
And I'm not trying to prophesy something over you, but storm's coming. The storm is coming, folks. Oh, don't say it, preacher. We're faith people. We resist the storm. (laughs) Sorry, you cannot resist what Jesus said is coming. The storm is coming. And see, people have a misconception about faith. They think, if I'm really a faith person, then storms don't come. (laughs) Survey says, no, that's not, not true. It's not the difference, uh, a faith person and an un, a non-faith person. The difference is, is not that somebody doesn't get a storm and the other one does. The difference is how you make it through the storm. Will you be standing when the storm is over? That's the difference. Jesus said the storm's coming. The wind's going to blow. And it's interesting to me that in that parable we looked at and even in what he's talking about now, It always comes back to weather. The sun was up and it scorched the seed. The storm raged and it blew the house over. There's a storm brewing. Yeah, maybe it looks like good weather right now. And that's why somebody would build their house without a foundation. Look around. Yeah, sunny skies. Why would somebody build their house on the sand? Lovely ocean views. But you can't build based on the current condition. You build with the future in mind. And you know what's coming. You don't need me to tell you this. Persecution's coming. Trouble and tribulation, it's coming. And it's trying to press and pressure you to stop acknowledging God. Build your house on something other than the foundation of being a doer of his word. Look at this one last verse and we'll be done. It's in the book of James. You're familiar with this. Chapter 1, verse 21. We'll have it on the screen. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to. It has the ability to save your soul. But... Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only deceiving yourself. Is there a danger of self-deception? And we're not even talking about Satan deceiving us. Sorry, you cannot use the devil made me do it. (laughs) You cannot blame the devil in this instance. This is self-deception. And who did he say is self-deceived? People who hear the word without doing it. People who hear it without putting it into practice. He said, you're deceived. Well, where's the deception? The deception is, I've heard it. That means it's going to work. I've heard it, and I've heard it for a long time, and that means it's going to produce in my life. I've heard some good messages on love. But how many of you know there's a big difference between hearing a message on love and actually loving There's a huge difference between hearing a good faith teaching and then actually putting those things into practice. There's a difference between hearing about giving, giving, giving. Oh, we ought to be givers. Yes and amen. There's a huge difference between hearing about giving and what? Giving. There is a massive difference between hearing about forgiveness. Oh, pastor, thank you for that word. On forgiveness. Yes. Just so good. Mm. 
Okay. Now what? Nothing. Bless you. Bye. You're deceived. Deceived thinking that because you've heard it, it's going to do something. That because you've heard it, I'm good. That's the big self-deception right there. You build the house on the sand. You get done. You look at it and you go, yeah, we're good. Deceived. But every time, every time you hear the word and you leave this place and you go, Holy Ghost, by, by your help and by the grace of God, I'm going to be a doer of that word. I'm going to put that baby into practice. I'm looking for a way right now. Father, give me somebody to love. Give me somebody to forgive. Give me somebody to show some mercy and some kindness to. I'm going to be putting that into practice. And every time you put a word into practice, you know what you just did? Dug deep. And when you do it again, you go deeper. And when you do it again, you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And pretty soon, you're going to hit rock. You are going to hit a firm foundation and you're going to go, yeah, we can build a house. We can build a life right here on the, on this rock, on Jesus. Yes. On his word. Yes. But on being a doer of the word that you've heard. Don't be deceived. Don't just think because you heard it a time or two or a decade or two that it's doing anything for you. Yeah, but look at all the notes I took. I mean, it's page after page and behold, look at my teaching collection and I have this one's book and that one's book and this guy's teaching and this lady's teaching and look at all the materials I have. And I've sat in churches for year after year after year, but did you do anything with it? Did you put any of it into practice? Did you become a doer of the word or were you just a hearer only? Because look what happens. He said, he who looks, this is James 1 again, into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, stays with it, practices it, does it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed. This one, which one? The hearer? No, not just the hearer, the doer, the one who put it into practice. This one will be shouted out. I want you to hear yourself say it. This one will be. This one will be. Come on, get up on your feet and say it. This one will be. Why? Huh? Because they heard a good word. No, because they did something with it. They did something with it. Now, when you start talking about this, I have found that for some people, there are trigger words. This is something that's in our society right now. People are constantly getting triggered. Triggered when somebody said that. Triggered when somebody said this. But listen, church has got triggered words, okay? The body of Christ has got some triggered people in it. And there are those, I want you to hear me and hear my heart on this. There are those who, and rightly so, make such a big deal of the grace of God. And his grace is to be made a big deal of. It is a big deal. I make a big deal of the grace of God. And they make a big deal of the finished work of Jesus. And how we're we're not under the law, the works of the law, we're under grace. But the moment you start talking about being a doer, doer is a trigger word. Am I telling the truth? 
it's a trigger word. Oh, don't talk to me about doing. There's nothing left to do. Jesus has done it all. I'm not talking about your redemption. I'm not talking about your righteousness. You received him. Wonderful. Thank God. Oh, best thing you ever did. Now what? Am I doing something right now? Watch this. Not doing something. Doing something. Not doing something. Doing. Not doing. I'm not talking to you about doing something to earn something. I'm not talking to you about doing something so that God will finally call you righteous. Has nothing to do with that. As you've received him, now walk in him. You received him by grace, now walk in him with that same grace energizing you. That same grace infusing you. And, and really it reveals something deeper when people want to fight you on doing. They're actually more aware of the flesh than you are because what you're saying is, I can't do it without grace. I can't do the word without the grace that's on the word. I'm a doer of it, but that's just by his grace. I'm going to put it into practice by his grace. And on top of all that, we just got to stop being triggered anyway. Okay. We got to stop all this. We got to stop it. My grandfather decades ago went before the Lord and said, what is What's the big problem with the body of Christ? And I don't know what he was expecting to hear, but the Lord spoke back up on the inside of him and said, it is your dogged determination to correct one another. The big problem with the body of Christ, your dogged determination to correct one another. I'm a grace guy and I'm a faith guy. You know how to say both of those at the same time? I'm a Jesus guy. And what's so funny is when people try to preach grace without grace. In other words, you can't preach grace without being gracious. Nor can you preach faith without some faithfulness. Let's be gracious. Nobody cares about your big grace revelation when you're beating them over the head with it. That's not grace. Let's be gracious. Even in the doing of the word, laying the foundation beneath our feet. He is so gracious with us. He is so merciful. He is so kind. Let's be that. Amen. Amen. I enjoyed this this morning. Did you get anything out of this today? You got anything out to it? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I just want to add one more thing. Can we at Legacy Church just be the most loving, kind people? Never the word police. You know what I mean by that? Not watching over every detail, critical of every little thing that people do, but instead extending mercy, extending the loving kindness of the Lord. You know, you won't win people just by your knowledge. You will win them by your love. That is right. And we are going to be that kind of people. When you notice yourself getting in a conversation with people, you know, maybe they're not saying everything right. Nobody will. I won't always. You won't always. But let's be the kind of people that sow mercy. 
and love yeah. and kindness. And, and listen for the heart, right? Yeah. Listen for the heart. That's what the Lord's listening for anyway. Mm, yeah. we, can, we can become completely uh, unteachable yeah. if we don't listen for the heart. You know, all through the scripture, even if you were to study it out in the deep Greek and the deep Hebrew and all these things, none of us are ever going to say everything perfectly and accurately. But you know what? A heart can be so pure that you can listen for the heart in everything. And you know, I was listening to you and I had one thing come up with my heart. You know what it means to be rooted? It's also in the scripture all throughout the word planted. Amen. And the Bible says in Psalms that those who are planted, they let their roots go down deep where? In the house of the Lord. Hey, thank you, Lord. They shall flourish. Flourish. That means a good life in the courts of their God. What is now the house of the Lord? We are the house of the Lord, but now. So much of the way we get planted is we let our roots go down deep in the church that God has called us to. So finding our place in the body and planting ourselves down deep, it comes through our service unto him. And then it says there, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Thank you. How much is long life? We have a promise of long life and freshness. What is that? That is this thing about you that's not grown stale. We have a promise of long life when we plant ourselves and let our roots go down deep in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody say it out loud. Rooted, built up, and established. In the faith. faith. Say it again. Rooted. Rooted, Built up. up, And established in the faith. That's our vision. Do you you think. Would you agree with that with me? That 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 would be our vision for this church. Is that the vision that you have for your life. Your family. So rooted. So grounded. So built up. So established. That let the wind blow. Let the floods rage. Let the storm come. You'll still be standing when it's over. That's what we see for you. So if that vision bears witness with your spirit, guess what? This is your church. (laughs) Your home. Your home. Thank you, Lord. Altar ministers, would you come to the front, please? Before you leave today, if there's anything you need prayer for, and I mean anything, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, everything we talked about today starts with that. Come join that giant group of people that have come to Jesus. But then do what? Hear his word. And become a doer of that word. If you need prayer for anything, these altar ministers are here, ready, willing, and able to pray the word with you, pray in faith with you. And we want to see you become one of the many testimonies and glory stories that are coming into this place all the time. Can we pray together before we go today? Father, we love you and worship you this morning. Thank you for your word that is, again, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in us to root us deep to build us up and establish us in our faith in you, our faith in the Lord Jesus. Everybody say it out loud. I am a doer of the word and not a hearer only. I love the word and by the grace of God, I'm a doer of the word. By the grace of God, 
I put it into practice. And as I do, I'm digging deep. I'm digging deep. I'm digging deep. Building my house on the firm foundation of the word of God. And when the storms come, I will not be shaken. Oh, say that again. I will not be shaken. Let's say it together. We will not be shaken. Glory to God. Glory to God. Folks, I see it right here where I stand with my eyes closed. I see it as I scan this congregation. House after house after house after house. Unshaken, untouched, unrattled, unaffected by the storm that rages around them. Unaffected by the trouble. Unaffected by the tribulation and the persecution. Let the rain fall. Let the wind blow. And the house is still standing. I declare it in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for We give you praise in the name of Jesus, Father. We thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit that leads us, guides us, directs us, puts us on the right path so that all this week we will be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right people in Jesus' name. You believe it? Come on, shout one more time today. Give him praise for it. Love on each other before you go. Meet somebody you don't know. They're going to sing. We'll be dismissed. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text Legacy and any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.